Welcome back to another edition of the Game Preview Podcast. Ethan Greenberg, Cynthia Freeland taking it East Coast, West Coast. We're breaking down Jets-Browns in Cleveland week two. But before we get to some football, just a little bit of housekeeping. If you listen to last week, we were talking about sauces, sauce. Turns out it's not sold in California. We still got to figure out a way to get you a bottle, though. We, we oh. got to figure it out. We are on this. Our producer is on this. I think it's going to be here. I'm excited to try it. Mm-hmm. I've really been thinking a lot about how something can be smoky, sweet, and spicy <laughs> all at once. Like this is something that needs to be solved. Well, we're gonna we're gonna get to the bottom of this. Would you be offended if I took the the wing version of it? If I just had if I put it on some boneless wings or some wings while you just put it on you could put it on wings too. But if you don't want the wing, then you could do something else because I'm sure that being the extravagant chef that you are, you could probably figure something out. I mean, I'd put it on a wing too. I think you should try it in its natural habitat on yeah, a wing. Yeah, that's right. But I mean, you can try it like then you can figure out like what it goes well with. Like I think so, I, I I pretty much my you can't see it because like my kitchen's over there, but I have so many sauces in there. So I would love <laughs> to add this sauce sauce to it. And you just kind of create, right? Like it's the fun of a sauce. Like what you can dip anything in a sauce. It's fantastic. And are you team bone in or boneless? You know, it's weird because, like, I just don't know where they take – like, where, where does the bone go? So I'm going to say I want the bone in. It makes me feel like it's more real. Like, where – like, what did you just cut it from a different – like, let's just keep it stick – to, stick to the classic. Yeah, I agree with you there. Last question on wings. Drums or flats? Drums. Oh, see, I'm team flats. I, I, if I'm honest with you, I do the – when I cook them myself, like, I do the whole leg. You you do the whole leg, yeah. It, it just took me it just took me a minute to compute what you just said. It wow. Okay, all right. Well, it's it's just like the dark meat's the best part. Like what, what are we doing messing around with like a chicken breast? No, 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 no. Keep it keep it to the good stuff. Okay, keep it to the well. That everyone says like I know it's a different bird, but everyone says the turkey leg is the best part. So I understand where you're coming from. I've never thought about. I don't think I've ever had like the chicken leg or anything like that, but. This will be for episode three because now we're going to need some wings with the sauce of sauce, obviously. So so this is how we're going to start off. Week one, Jets didn't have the result they wanted. 24 to nine final score at MetLife Stadium. Now the Jets face their second AFC North opponent in as many weeks going to Cleveland to take on the one and oh Cleveland Brown. So let's start right out of the gate, out of the first quarter. If you're beating the Browns, you got to stop their backfield with Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. Obviously, both of those guys, very talented had a very good week in week one. How difficult of a challenge is just saying that, saying that sentence out loud that you need to hold those guys in check in order to have a chance to beat Cleveland? Well, I think we said something very similar about Lamar Jackson and holding him and that rushing offense for the Ravens to the same thing. And by the way, the Jets did that really masterfully. That The the total yardage was the lowest since – Lamar Jackson has become the starter and the fourth lowest for Jackson specifically. So the run, stopping the run does seem like something that is in well within reach for this team. But also it is worth noting that the one-two punch of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, it just happens a little bit different for this team than it does for the Ravens. So when you saw last week against the Panthers, I mean, what was the combined number I have right here? 38 touches, 213 scrimmage yards, and two touchdowns in week one. So they are the absolute key to that offense. And Nick Chubb, to your point, he was the second leading rusher in the NFL last year. 141 yards on the ground on 22 attempts. That's and an he average. missed games. He yeah, and he missed games. 
Yeah, he, he's incredible. He averaged 6.4 yards per carry last week. I mean, Cynthia, just that number alone, I feel like there are a lot of good rushers in the league. It feels like Nick Chubb consistently always has a high average. What does that say either about the Browns offensive line or just about Nick Chubb in general? It's both because kind of one goes with the other one, right? So it's not just these big plays. Like sometimes you see this average and it'll be like, oh, 140 yard rush and then like a bunch of one yard and a dust and a dust cloud behind them, right? And then the average will look bigger. But with Nick Chubb, it's all about those yards after contact consistently. His O-line helps him out by getting him up to full speed before the contact can be made. And then he averaged, like he paces the league since he entered at 5.3 yards per attempt and a lot of that coming after the contact. So it's scheme, it's opportunity, it's him, it's all of the things working together in a way that creates the best result. He, he's, to me, he's... I'm going to use the word underrated because sometimes in fantasy, we like look for these pass catching backs and you think about, Oh, like the best one's going to be the one, like the pass catching guy. But it's, I guess Jonathan Taylor proved that wrong a little bit. He didn't, he wasn't as much of a pass catching guy and same with Derrick Henry, not, not typically as much of a pass catching guy, but that's kind of the same mold for Nick Chubb. Yeah. It feels like Nick Chubb is one of those guys in the same vein as Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, where he's just like, he's a war horse, right? You hand him the ball, he just gets after it, puts his nose down. Mm -hmm. And Kareem Hunt's kind of like the, uh, if Nick Chubb is thunder, Kareem Hunt definitely feels like a little more lightning because we see the receiving prowess. And he had one rushing and one receiving touchdown last week against the Panthers, meaning Kareem Hunt. How about this stat? This is crazy. Nick Chubb has 23 100-yard rushing games since 2018. That's tied for most in the NFL. I mean, it and they're 17 and seven, meaning the Browns are when he eclipses 100 yards. So this really is, to me, the matchup that I have my eyes on. And if you're from your perspective, Cynthia, like, is this the matchup of the game where if you can hold Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in check, the Jets will have a good chance to win? Yeah, you're going to have to force the pass a little bit more. Obviously, Jacoby Brissett, not the person that they paid the highest guaranteed contract in the NFL to. So this is a guy who's working with, a, they're working with a little bit different quarterback than they had anticipated. They also have a receiving core that's a little bit, I'm use the word complicated. Complicated in that, if you look at last game, I have the breakdown here. Amari Cooper, who they brought over from Dallas, three receptions for 17 yards. Not great, right? Donovan Peoples-Jones, he had six receptions and 60 receiving yards. That was the leader in week one. And then you look to see just in general, outside of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, it was 19 total touches and 151 scrimmage yards and no touchdowns for anyone else. So it is the strength of that team, the running back situation, and like make sure and force the, the throws to happen. That's how you get perhaps – and interception and perhaps a you know change of possession that kind of thing can change the cadence of the game completely i do think it is important to note that the browns scheme totally different from what the jets just saw even though these are two afc north teams robert totally. Sala was talking about it he was saying that you know baltimore obviously a little more deception cleveland's like this is what we're gonna do can you stop us and that's their formula for success so from your standpoint, also, Cynthia, we know that you love talking about the offensive line. This Browns offensive line did not have Jack Conklin last week at right tackle, but overall is considered one of the better units in the NFL. It is. It's definitely a top five unit. Obviously, little asterisks there because we all know O-line depth is a huge issue. So when you're missing one of your key pieces, it does make a big difference. But 
the thing that they do really well is they pair their personnel to what kind of plays they want to run. So I, it sounds very simple and logical, like everyone should do that, but they have the type of O-line that really is more favorable at run blocking than it is pass blocking. Go figure, right? So this is something where, you know, it's Kevin Stavansky does a really good job of scheming to make sure that the shifts and all the different ways that the O-line creates for the run game are deceptive and tricky. And, and it just doesn't look, he's, you know, Robert Solomon knows way better than me, but, you know, that's not the same thing as being constantly a, this isn't a scrambling quarterback. Sure. Jacoby Brissett can scramble, but it's not like Lamar Jackson who can will and does scramble on like every down. Well, going off of that, Cynthia, you mentioned the number 63 total rushing yards, only 11 allowed in the first half. The Jets held the Ravens to 11, which is crazy by the way, but can you just talk about from your perspective, how difficult that is to do and how impressive that is and how promising really it is moving forward in the rest of the season. Yeah. Look, I, first of all, the front and the back works together. So the fact that you had big Q up front and then you had the defensive backs playing so well, like this is a really nice way, a new starting corners, this the really masterful job this off season in order to get them there to make it all make sense. Like this is one of the best off seasons for any team it's a it's a shame and unfortunate that this you know the schedule is what it is but those corners played lights out and Quinn and Williams played lights out and that all is just this huge testament to what Joe Douglas was able to create this offseason so I'm gonna like give him we're, we're gonna clap for him on that and talk about the front which is also what Robert Saul is really good at is creating fronts that are really scary and pressures coming from a lot of side well stopping the run was key in this game and 11 total rush yards in the first half. Obviously, you know, J.K. Dobbins wasn't playing, but Lamar Jackson himself usually runs for like, oh, I don't know, like 100. No, not that many, but, you know, <laughs> a, a lot more than that to begin games. So it, this, it, was a, it was a very big testament to how the front office and the coaching staff figured it out. They have the right personnel there. And this is, that was a good, that was a heck of a start, like really, really good start. And the Jets right now, although one week, small sample size, they ranked third in rush defense in the NFL last year. They finished 29th. Something to keep an eye on, especially this week, because you know when you look at this Jets front, obviously it, it has depth, it has talent, but this is a different type of beast that the Cleveland Browns rushing attack is just because they are a bruising front compared to maybe a little more of a flowing front that the Baltimore Ravens had, who of course did not play with all pro left tackle, Ronnie Stanley. This is the matchup for me to watch. So moving on to our second quarter, this is the second matchup to watch. This is miles Garrett and that Browns defensive line lining up against the jets offensive line that had some shifting last week with George Fant moving to left tackle. Dwayne Brown goes to injured reserve Last Saturday, Max Mitchell, the fourth-round rookie, gets the start at right tackle. Cynthia, Robert Sala, right before we started this podcast, spoke to the media. He said, looks like Miles Garrett's on a mission, and it feels like he is very much so on a mission. Yes. Um, watching back that Panthers game and how Miles Garrett – his burst, which is like how fast he can accelerate for the first three yards traveled, doesn't have to be three yards into the backfield. It's three yards that he travels. Remember, we can go laterally as well. His burst is as fast as it's ever been. And that's not ideal against even the most healthy of O-lines. So this is this is not a situation that's easy to manage. And Miles, the, the thing also that's that's I think that maybe this Browns defense gets a little bit I don't know, underrated, but the way that they create and stop 
pressures, changes. They have a lot of different configurations up front. So you're not just getting one side. Like they'll find the mismatch and they'll exploit it, but in it in sort of a different way than maybe like the Patriots or someone that the Jets uh, see all the time, right? Like Miles Garrett will like maybe he'll go only on one side for three or four week stretch, and then maybe on the other side for three or four weeks. It's it's not as it's not as um it's not as consistently different. It's different consistently, if that makes sense, right? So they'll they'll just find their thing and keep hammering the same the same mean pressure that Miles Garrett can get. They'll find the hole and then just keep doing it. You saw that last week. They exploited, you know, AQ Kwanu will be a good will be a good tackle, but like, you know, welcome to the NFL moment was a little was a little rough there. Definitely. Ike Aquano is the top 10 pick for the Carolina Panthers played left tackle. Miles Garrett had two sacks of his former quarterback, Baker Mayfield, of course, now with Carolina and you know, with, with uh, the Browns front overall, I'm curious your take on this. Robert Sala again in this press conference today was like, they kind of remind me that defense of the 2019 San Francisco 49ers defense, which of course Robert Sala was the D coordinator of Joe Woods, the Browns defensive coordinator was a part of that coaching tree in San Francisco. And when you think about the front, like miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney, and then you start thinking about the speed at linebacker and the talent at cornerback, I can see the parallel, but from your standpoint, like, is that a pretty good comparison? It's a it's a it's a good comparison. The, the, the only thing I will say is that offenses have sort of changed since then. So you remember like not a lot more crossing routes, things that are using the middle of the field differently. So that could be something where, you know, maybe that's an area to exploit is to figure out like slot and crossing route have changed in the past five seasons alone. Use in the slot, defending the between the hashes, all of that stuff has been very significantly changed. I will say that the Browns defense outside of the D line, which we'll get into also very talented, but how much of a challenge kind of to your point earlier, like when the jets have all these shifting bodies up front, now you're going up against miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney and company, the jets coming off a Rocky offensive line performance. I would say like, I'm not the offensive line guy, but Joe Flacco did seem like he was under duress a decent amount. He was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, how, how do you go about fixing that? Like, how, like how do you go probably. about it? Look, okay. you, saw, you kind of saw it with Michael Carter, right? Like you used quick passes, you quick and like not huge air yard passes. You try to mix up the looks like, you know, look, get away from it. sounds very simple. You either run at pressure or you use quick passes as a little safety valve. And I think you'll start to see, like, I understand. So you'll start to see more Brees Hall folded in. You'll start to see even more of like Michael Carter did a really nice job. I mean, he had two rushes of 10 plus yards, like one to like his very first carry of the game and then a 22 year yarder. So, you know, find those holes and make use of those kind of more explosive opportunities, but run away from the pressure. Just do it. That's, you know, and, and Joe Flacco, he's no stranger to that. Like that's, that's something that, I mean, he played in the AFC North as a lot of his career. So, you know, this, this is, he's no stranger to like people like Miles Garrett coming for him. So going off that, if you, you you talked about the Jets running the ball, the Browns right now, the Jets are third in rush defense. The Browns are second, 54 rushing yards allowed on the ground. Do you think that was more of the way that game flowed in Carolina? Or you think that their rush defense is also a legitimate force to be reckoned with? And this is the precedent that they've set moving forward. You know, 
I think that they were more concerned just based on Baker's tendencies because they know his tendencies so well. They were just not going to let the Christian McCaffrey like three-yard screen pass turn into a 35-yard gain. I think that's what it felt like the strategy was just based on watching it and kind of mapping out where they lined up. So I'm I'm curious to see if they're really good at stopping the run or they just didn't feel like there was like, – Baker's escapability is not like – huge people you know he's no Lamar Jackson and you know they were I think they were just really trying to like neutralize all the people that could potentially catch a ball from but most importantly limit Christian McCaffrey's ability to just any yards after the catch and I say catch specifically because you know I I think Christian McCaffrey on rundowns they, they didn't seem to disguise it well remember Baker Mayfield had only been on that team for like a month not even so he doesn't even know the whole playbook yet so they were like we're, we're not going to let Christian McCaffrey turn a, a, a tiny gain into a huge one it felt and, like that was the alignment. Yeah, no, it, it's a great point because Christian McCaffrey really is, does feel like the heartbeat of that Panthers offense, especially because to your point, Baker Mayfield is so new in Carolina yep. and the Jets ran the ball pretty well. I'd say against the Ravens, Michael Carter had 60 yards on 10 carries. That's a good average. That's 6.0. I'm no math guy, but I know that. And so I think that the Jets want to run the football. We'll see, obviously, what happens against a good rush defense this coming Sunday in Cleveland. That brings us to halftime, which brings us up to another topic of conversation that I have not decided yet. So is there something that is on the top of your mind? You you just you just jumped up, so I think you have something. Well, I have two things. One, how funny is my ring light? There it is. There's the mirror. Oh, hello, the ring, ring light, light wants some airtime. It's typically just like somebody, but you know, the ring light, to me, is the equivalent of some like a producer behind the scenes, occasional shout out. Now the ring light wants some wants some FaceTime. I get it. Apparently, I mean, it's just fun. look this whole moving thing. I just did. I'm a terrible mover, so this is just taking me longer than expected. I'm like I can't even find like anything. Like I've got mm. this green mug here because I was like, well, at least I need something green. Green's my favorite color. Like I need to get my jet stuff out and and ready. But you know, but I do have I I do have my Thursday night football meal intact. Okay. Yeah. Can, can we get a can we get a sneak peek? Yeah. So it's I'm gonna the the Kansas City barbecue obviously is mm -hmm. like that's what they're known for. Yes. So I guess the best place there is this place called Joe's. And so I took a play on the Joe's pulled pork. I'm gonna do chicken, but this I don't okay. like cooking pork. Pulled chicken, <laughs> and I'm I have like all the different like fixings insides, and I've made like a little bit healthier version of anything you could get at Joe's. So I'm very excited wow. for this. It should be good. I'm very hungry, so it'll be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it sounds great. You know, Joe's actually is we, for my dad's birthday in June, maybe it was Father's Day. I don't remember which, but we ordered from both. Joe's. Yeah, yeah, both. Exactly. We ordered from Joe's. We got It came frozen. We ate it in New York. It was great. I could only totally. imagine what it would be like in Kansas City. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to eventually I'll try it in Kansas City, but we yep. I tried it last year. The ordered it and well as well, and it came, but... You know, I, I think now that I got it, like I don't do my own like a little bit, a little bit like it's definitely doesn't feel like the healthiest meal I've ever eaten. So I'm trying nope. to turn up, turn up the health on it just just a little bit, but not you, sacrificing too much taste. You know what I think would be great on like some Joe's, I don't know, ribs or the pulled chicken sauce to sauce. <clears throat> oh, did I say that sauce to sauce on Joe's? You know, yeah, I think I'm it'd be great. Tell you. Sauce, I'm, I'm, I feel like there's going to be like an incredible opportunity for me to use. Like, there's so much. I keep looking at my kitchen. I'm like, what am I going to make with my sauces? So, so many things. I have a lot of, I have a lot of ideas. 
And hopefully next week will be the taste test for the both of us. That That's the goal. If you're listening to this, we we were hoping it was this week. Now we're hoping it's next week. So we'll see. It went from a day-to-day thing to a week-to-week thing. So we'll go from there. And uh, you have anything else before we run it back out to the field for the third quarter here? You know, I was actually thinking about this, and I really want to make sure and, like, say this. There is – on game day morning, we took the Jets – like 9-11 tribute and the the anthem from the Jets. And it was so special. I got to watch it from live from MetLife, but on this big screen that was on the side of this like amazing studio mm-hmm. that we're in. And I have to tell you, like, n- like all like misty eyed, like it was so like nobody does the anthem better than the Jets. Like that was incredible. Like I just was like, this is, I felt like I was there for a minute, which yeah. made me really happy, but it was, that's, it was really special. It was great. If you did not see what had happened and you just listened to this, basically the national anthem was starting the Brianna Fernandez started to sing it. And then she kind of moved the mic away and the entire stadium joined along with her. Like I'm getting chills just thinking about it because it, it really was cool. It yeah. was amazing. It was like, no, like, ever, like, how did you have not a dry eye in the house? I was like, okay, I got a little misty <laughs> outside here, you know? Yeah. So somebody was cutting onions in the press box. I don't know who it was, but I swear there were a couple onions in the press box. So it was a good, it was great. And unfortunately the result wasn't what the jets wanted. It would have been really nice. That the like, national anthem really would have been like the cherry on top of the, on top of the Sunday to what would have been a great atmosphere post game. Instead, it was not a great atmosphere post game, but the crowd was still rocking and rolling throughout four quarters. So that was awesome. Yeah. On that note. Yeah. On that note, the jets go back to MetLife week three against the Cincinnati Bengals. So you got to make sure to be there for that one. In the meantime, the jets prepare for the Cleveland Browns week two. Joe Flacco again, starting for the New York jets at Cleveland. And again, this is a team that he's very familiar with. What can we expect from Joe Flacco in week two? I think more of the quick passes, more of the leveraging, the, the kind of mis- imbalances and mismatches that we saw. Honestly, I was really impressed with Michael Carter's performance. I thought that that was really good. I, I also thought that the receivers looked good as well. Like a lot of different formats. These are young receivers. This is a hard situation. The Ravens defense is not the one you want to start with. So this is going to be an interesting one where I think you're going to see leveraging more of the tempo and speed, the kind of speedier releases. Joe Flacco, 17 and three in 20 games against the Cleveland Browns and Brown secondary. Obviously you got to make sure you know where Denzel Ward is. Greedy Williams is not playing. I believe he's on injured reserve. How about someone that used to play in the state that you live in? John Johnson, the third, the safety for Cleveland. This guy feels like he is, he's kind of like an unsung hero of all secondaries. The Rams let him walk. He goes to Cleveland and he's just, can you talk about how good of a player and what he does for that Brown secondary? Sure. You saw my reaction. I thought you were going with like the Northwestern Greg Newton. Uh, no, no, no we, we have to do that too. But yeah, no, uh, but John Johnson, the, people don't, safeties that can maybe sometimes, maybe not for Jets fans, but for other fans, safety can be a confusing position to like celebrate unless they're picking balls off or maybe like Jamal Adams used to and like, you know, a, a, more of a box safety that you can sort of see what they're doing. But John Johnson, like the space that he doesn't create for people is is really impressive. The lack of separation into his coverage, the way that he creates, you know, n- limiting 
the the effect of a catch when it wasn't into his coverage is also really impactful. So, you know, I just think that, I mean, the Rams seemed like they could pay everyone, but they, you know, a couple of years ago and they let him go two years ago, it, they weren't paying everyone like this. So, you know, it's, I think that he was kind of a, a casualty of their past cap strategy, but, you know, I, I think they, they missed him. They certainly missed him against the bills last week. I'm sorry. I did you dirty. I didn't even think about Greg Newsom. So, no, no, no. I mean, he's just my Northwestern. I mean, we, yeah. my schools have so few people that I have to like, you know, plug whenever I can. <laughs> I get it. You and me both. Syracuse is the same thing. Whenever there's a Syracuse player, I can shout him out. I am a thousand percent doing so. I feel 100%. like it's, I feel like it's like a media thing, right? Like I remember Northwestern and Syracuse played my freshman year and I didn't even know that there was like a, a journalistic rivalry and everyone was like, you got to go to the game. It's a huge rivalry. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, it, and then everyone started cluing me in. I was like, this is, and Trevor Simeon actually played in that game. It was a great game. Northwestern won. Did. Yeah. The funny part is, is I didn't go to journalism school. So like I have an MBA from there. So, and a master's of analytics. So it's just funny. <laughs> like, I'm like a, I'm like a faux fan. Like I, you know, I get my BC for undergrad and I have a biology major there. Like, this is not, these are not a, these are not a, I, so I don't think I can participate in the Syracuse. And Bio- wait, 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 you're a biology major. Wow. Clearly, I use it all of the time. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say so. That you definitely, um, you definitely, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Like when people say like, you put your degree to good use, that's what that, it came to me now. So Did I not. think it worked out for you though. It worked out okay, mm. I'd say. My grandmother, well, last- who my grandmother oh. who's from Yonkers and lived in Yonkers for her whole life, she would always basically be like, why did you even bother to, she would tell me how much it costs. And she would be like, why did you even bother? But I'm like, well, grandma, you need wow. it. So <laughs> thanks grandma. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. One more thing in the third quarter for you, this Brown secondary, when you look at the numbers of the Carolina Panthers, you just think about like Robbie Anderson had a 75 yard touchdown. Mm-hmm. You take that away. He had 27 receiving yards. DJ Moore had 43 receiving yards. Then you start to look at the amount of points that, the Browns defense gave up in the first three quarters, only seven points compared right. to the fourth quarter. Like what happened in that game and how good is the Browns secondary? Like, did they, did something happen? Did the Panthers figure them out? Or like, is this just more about the Brown secondary loosening up coverage at the end of the game? Uh, it's a little bit of both. I think, I think in the beginning of the game, Baker was off there. They, they did, they couldn't stay on schedule. They couldn't get the short gains on first down. They were just not in, they were not in sync. They were not in rhythm. They did improve as the game went on, obviously, based on the score. But they also got softer coverages in the fourth quarter. But realistically, because this game did get pretty close, it's probably a little bit more that the Panthers' offense started to figure it out than it is that the Browns' defense was like, oh, I'll just play off. And, you know, it's not the same as, like, if you're up by 35 points, right? Like, they, it, it did become a closer – I mean, that game was close, especially in the fourth quarter. So, I think they were off a little bit, and then they, they really – got it back together and started to really start to shut the corners down again or shut the receivers down again at the end. So when I, when I look back, I I think they were, I think it was more about Baker figuring it out with his receivers who he hasn't thrown a ton of passes to, as opposed to the opposite, which is just that the Browns were so good. Then they just let him have it and then pounce at the end because it took a field goal to win. So it's, and not even like a short one either. It was like one of the only kickers to make their field goals. (laughs) It was also (laughs) a weird, it was a weird flight path. Like there's in the video in the TV broadcast, you see one of the Panthers players yep. 
like putting his arms up like he like the guy didn't make it, Cade York, the rookie, and the ball yep. just rips in. And then the 58 yard. I couldn't field tell. Goes I had to up. wait. I had to wait for the call. I mean, watching it on TV, I, I couldn't tell. It was funny. Cause you know, I was going to make, I was trying to think like clearly it doesn't play for the jets. Cause he would, otherwise he would know it would take flight. Huh? Hey, yeah. Huh? Yeah. There you go. Love it. There you go. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a perfect way to wrap up the third quarter. That was amazing. Which brings us to the fourth quarter. Something that you kind of talked about Jacoby Brissett. 140 plus yards passing. Like if the jets can make Jacoby Brissett, the guy to try to win the game for the Browns, they're probably doing something right. And this Jets secondary, Cynthia, I mean, the numbers are what they are. I'm not going to steal any of them. I just want to open up the floor. How impressive were DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner from a number standpoint? Really impressive. I mean, let's just talk about DJ Reed for a second. There were a lot of corners that played football this past weekend, and a lot of guys were targeted at least three times. Do you know who the only guy who was targeted at least three times to allow exactly zero catches was? I'm going to guess it's the guy we're talking about, DJ Reed. Well, it would be funny if it wasn't. No, no, it's actually yes. this guy. No. <laughs> but, you know, he was targeted six times, zero catches, obviously a forced fumble, and the really fun interception that, like, it looked like if I were to fall like that, I would probably be in traction for like a week like that. But like, how do you fall on your back? Like anyways, but I was like, Oh, that looks painful. But he had a really, really like very special game. This was a great acquisition this off season. Obviously sauce Gardner also had a wonderful start. He was put on, you know, just, you know, Mark Andrews, you know, in the end zone and didn't allow a completion to them. So one completion, eight yards for, for sauce and not to Mark Andrews, which was pretty impressive because if I were, Coaching the Ravens, I would have tried to put my best player on a rookie, even if it's a great rookie, because I usually it's advantage veteran player in that case. So you know, I it's it was really impressive by both of them. But DJ Reed was everywhere, so that was a that was a really fun one to watch. Yeah, it was awesome. It it bodes well for what the Jets want to do. Robert Sala said having DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner allowed him and allowed the defense coordinated by Jeff Ulbrich to essentially devote the safeties to the run game, which helped the Jets rush defense tremendously. We'll see what happens this week. Jordan Whitehead, ankle injury, questionable to play Sunday. And moving to this Browns receiving core, Amari Cooper traded from Dallas to Cleveland. He didn't really have a huge game. To your point, Donovan's Peoples-Jones was the guy. Is this like a is this a good matchup for the Jets this weekend? I in terms of the receiving, yes. I think this is going to be one where the, I think the Jets are going to look good. I like it's going to be those short passes to Kareem Hunt, especially if there's any sort of injuries in the middle of the field, like that, that could be an issue. That would be an issue for any team. It's not like Jets specific here, right? So this receiving core, confounding, right? Like you you bring Amari Cooper over, you know, you don't have, I mean, Don Peoples-Jones is the, your wide receiver too, I guess. I mean, he was one last week, but like, you know, they, these that's a guy who has a bunch of drops in his history. So I think this is a receiving core that this Jets secondary is poised to be able to figure out, especially if they can get some pressure up front. Like you saw, you know, that's what you saw with Carolina. They did that same thing as well. So, you know, I think that this is, that's the good matchup. The, the run and the short stuff to the running backs, that's going to be way more difficult. So be able, being able to have the, the, the perimeter sort of taken care of and then you can bring everything a little bit closer, that is a smart strategy, and that is how any team would have to face the Browns. So what you're saying is kind of what we started the show with. 
if the Jets are able to maintain or limit Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, do you think that they'll have a good chance to win Sunday or at least their defense would put them in a good position to at least try to win? I think the defense is, I mean, look, this, I'm a little more concerned about what's going on on the O-line than I am because Miles Garrett is so scary. I think that this matchup with the defense is actually, like, I think this is a fun one. I think this is one that this personnel is well-suited for. Stopping the run is not easy for anyone against the Brown. Limiting the run is more the is more what I would say the strategy should be, right? Like, limit the big gains. Don't give the chunk yards. Okay, you can give four yards on first down, maybe. But, like, you know, then get a stop on second. Force them into some throws. Force them into the situation where they're not – That's it's not the strength of their team, right? So I think this defense could do this. I'm a little more worried. If I had to say where my concern lies, it is literally what is in, what is in front of the quarterback because that front is nasty, and that makes it really hard for anyone to be able to navigate. That is very true. And Miles Garrett, of course, is a double-digit sack guy perennially since basically he's been in the league. Have you seen him? Like, you, you're going yes. to go see him yeah. up close. Like, yes. you're going to see him. Like, I don't think I'm the same species as him. Like, no. the, just like the the amount of, like, the, the muscle mass. Like, how, how does one even, like, get that big? Like, it's it's amazing. And he's been that way since yeah. forever. Like, first time I saw him when he was in college, like, you're like, this is a giant human being, like giant. Von Miller's is, not that big. No. Like, you look at Von Miller and you see, you're like, okay, like, you know, not saying he's small, but it's just, it's wild. Like him and Aaron Donald, like I see next year, like his chest is like, like, <laughs> like a barrel. It's crazy. It's like, and then he can jump like over me. It's, it's wild. All these people, like the athletic prowess of these guys is absolutely I just can't, I can't get over it. Just in their Do size, you, too. I'm like, this is... Okay, I here? have a good question for you. Are you ready yeah. for this? Is Miles Garrett the most physically imposing player in the National Football League? I'm trying to think if I can think of anyone else who who is more physically imposing than him. Well, you said Aaron Donald. I think he was he's up there. Donald but Miles, isn't as tall, though. Like, yeah, Miles exactly. Garrett is that same thickness, but bigger. Mm -hmm. Which is, I mean, not saying, look, I'm taking nothing away from Aaron Donald. Let, let's be clear. No, like yes. Aaron Donald is like, like he is right now to <laughs> me, the, the best player in all of football. Like just, he just is. So, but Miles Garrett's like, it, his, it's just, it's massive. It's just yep. it's incredible. Like, I'm like, I, I don't think we're not the same. We're not the same. <laughs> we, we, it's amazing to me that like Miles Garrett was once like an infant you know what i mean like he was once a baby we were once the same size as miles garrett like to me that's not possible nope nope he was born like 100 pounds and like full of muscle like but yeah. and it's funny because he's a he's so like um like when you speak to him he's very like we talk about books and really dorky stuff like and really poetry. Dorky, really i remember dorky. there was a whole like he loves poetry business coming out of the draft i remember people were like oh you know does he love the game he loves poetry it's like yes he loves the game he also likes poetry so you, you, can, know, you can like both right yeah. like i like math i like football sometimes, sometimes those two things don't go together but i no, wish that i came math. up with a poem for this episode now in retrospect we could do a haiku later five seven five right <laughs> yeah, five yeah so, something like that yeah i think it is five seven five I think it's five seven. Don't like. Don't let my old English teacher like know that I don't remember because I have no idea. I have a great <laughs> idea for next week. We'll make a haiku about sauce is sauce. Perfect. 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 Done. Great. Done. All We're right. Doing it. 
that that's how we wrap it up this episode of the game preview podcast cynthia i hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and i hope that your joe's spinoff goes as well as you hope it to go you know i do too but i think you kind of can't go wrong you get the good sauce you can't really go wrong right i don't think so but i guess you'll let us know next week uh, absolutely and you gotta i guess we gotta i'm trying to think like See, my, I'm, maybe the people who listen can tell me what, when it's time for me to do New York, what I should be making there. Like, what's the, like, obviously something with sauce is sauce. But like, <laughs> I wonder my if it's pizza, I wonder if hot you could, dogs, pretzels. Right. Like, could you put it on a pizza? No, I don't, maybe no. once what it tastes oh, like. No, we do, I, like, you know, I'm in California. We do, like, you know, bougie pizza here, right? But they don't have real pizza. They don't yeah, have, I'm they don't way have out. Pizza, no good pizza, just weird, like, it's basically a flatbread with like some stuff on it, right? Truffle and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. When you said sauces, just any sauce on pizza, like my, my stomach kind of like felt nauseous for I a mean, minute. I mean, I've had a good barbecue chicken pizza before. It's not for me. It's not for me. I, I, I need like a classic cheese slice. That's it. Cheese. I mean, but I just feel like that's a different experience. You know what I mean? Like it could be a lot of different things, but you're coming to New York. You want the New York experience. You can't be bringing the California bougie oh, no. pizza. But my question is, is does it still taste the same? Cause the bagels don't taste the same. They don't. I, I understand there's a lot of hotly contested bagel situation, but Essa bagel to me, that's the best. Yeah, I know. I know you said that I've still and not onion. been onion with butter. Okay. All right, fine. We'll go. How about this? We'll get you a bagel. You'll make the pizza. We'll make it happen. When you go, but the fans got to let you know what game to come to. Yeah, they got to, and I got to figure out this. I got to figure out my like my meal for new because I got it. I can do better than just pizza. I think you can too. I think so. Maybe they maybe can a steak. Maybe a steak. I don't know why that's New York, but it sounds right. New York. Sounds, I, you're right. Like a New York strip steak. I don't know. Maybe yeah. That's and, why it sounds like it. Thank you. Thank you. It is called a New York strip steak for a reason. That's a perfect <laughs> way. That's a perfect way to pay homage to the place that you once called home, Cynthia. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, what do I what, what do I get in Hoboken? Hmm. What's natural Hoboken food? <laughs> uh, deli meat. Yeah. Deli meat. And, and a, Who doesn't love yeah, deli meat? An, an Italian deli sandwich or a roast beef sandwich, maybe with some fresh mozzarella or mozzarella. Eh? Mozzarella. You know? Well, I'm Italian, so I mean, you can't tell because they're looking at me, but I am. <laughs> are you really i'm my mom is italian my oh, dad is norwegian yeah mix it around poof this is what you get okay all right well that sounds <laughs> like you need to go back to hoboken and get some fresh mozzarella mozzarella yes all right great cynthia as always thank you and we'll see you next week sounds good